Welcome to another episode of my podcast and YouTube channel, uh, Don, the Infinite Wealth Strategist. I tell you guys, I'm excited. Robert Peterson's in the house, and I invited him on because I saw what he's doing. I think it's amazing, and I want to share it with you guys. So, uh, Robert, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so my name is Robert Peterson, and I'm an entrepreneur coach helping entrepreneurs to basically rediscover joy and passion in their business. Okay. Well, you know what? That's – that's uh. I mean, what I want to say here, I mean, that sounds very, very noble, right? So um, I want to get back to that because I want to know about how you got there. But first of all, can you just tell me, how did you get started in an entrepreneurial lifestyle and what you do here? Yeah, so I spent 20 years in, in Christian ministry. Uh, okay. My wife and I were missionaries for 10 years. And then I was a pastor of outreach for a Christian church um, here in Colorado for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, through my ministry, I'd gotten certified as a speaker trainer coach through John Maxwell. Okay. At the time was trying to improve my speaking, my, you know, my preaching. Mm -hmm. And, and shortly after completing that program, my job went away. Mm -hmm. And so made the decision to go into entrepreneurship and take, you know, essentially the same message and the same right. personal growth strategies to the business world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so much like John Maxwell had done, um, obviously, Initially, I was targeting businesses. I thought leadership, you know, communication, teamwork, mm -hmm. relationships, all those things that, that mm -hmm. I had from ministry. But the truth is, I don't really like companies, big companies very much. And so I ended let's up. Let's face it. Who uh, does? I mean, let's face yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, somebody does. I <laughs> I guess I don't like them particularly. I'm more of a, I like, I like to root for the underdog myself, but. Uh... Yeah. And so it turns out that entrepreneurs are a lot like missionaries. Mm -hmm. um, they have the same independent spirit. They're they're part of that that small group of of people that are willing to go out and do something a lot of people aren't willing to do. Right. And so I really identified with that entrepreneurial spirit. So it took that first year in business to to really recognize that these are my people. Mm -hmm. And and so then we started you know really focusing on on entrepreneurs and the value that we could bring to entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And. You know, a lot of our work in the beginning was mindset and and still personal growth. But mm -hmm. the more that we've been working, the more the idea of, of everywhere we go, people compliment our smile, my smile. And mm -hmm. and then the conversation, as I've studied the brain science, I'm really starting to learn about joy and how the brain is powered by joy. And mm -hmm. we have way too many entrepreneurs that are living in stress and anxiety. So their brain mm -hmm. is in fight and flight mode. And I want to help them switch, get out of the stress and get out of the overwhelm of their business and get back to the joy, back to the passion that they started with. And so that's really, really been our focus. Mike Michalowicz, you know, who wrote Profit First and wrote uh, a couple other books, including his re-release of Clockwork recently, his mm -hmm. goal is to end entrepreneurial poverty. Mm -hmm. So my goal in line with that, my mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. Because if you're in a space, there's no reason you should be unhappy. Like this is the most amazing opportunity. This is the most amazing time in history. And if if something's going on in your life and business that's making you unhappy, you're the best in the best position to make some changes. And and we can help, you know, we can help people do that. And really it's helping them refocus on what they were passionate about in the first place, 
you know, declaring what's really important to them and then intentionally building their business around it instead of run, letting their business run their lives by default. Gotcha. So, so when you started, so what you're doing now, is that what you started when uh, you got fired? Well, you, you right, so, so I, just to, just to clarify, I didn't get fired. Okay. My my job my job was changing to the point oh. where I said I no longer want to do this. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> just to just to be clear, it's it's a little it's a little different. I mean, right? <laughs> maybe well, when you when you uh, had when you and your your job had a uh, uh, what do you call it decoupling parting a parting of ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So it's so still you, the same company. We started it out as a consulting firm and have shifted more towards a coaching firm. So that was actually your first entrepreneurial venture, right? I, no. I mean, you know, l- legally, I mean, prior to going into ministry, we'd had we'd had a few different companies. We 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 dabbled in a few things, um, but the twenty years in ministry, and and of course our our first ten years in ministry, we raised our own support um, mm-hmm. and was we were very independent, and so it was very much like an entrepreneurial adventure. Okay. If we hadn't raised the money, we certainly couldn't have been, you know, living overseas and doing the things that we were doing. And so, so I think there there's there was definitely an entrepreneurial spirit in, mm-hmm. in most of the work that that I've been doing. What most would of my you adult say? Life. What would you say? are some of the most important lessons you learned in your ministry that really helped you in when you started becoming an official entrepreneur with this, with his venture? Um, you know, the great, I think it's people. I think yeah. every business is a people business and, mm-hmm. and being in a ministry that, that essentially teaches you how to, or, or should be teaching you how to love other people, right. How to, how to take care of other human beings. <laughs> I think, right really equipped us to help people recognize the value and power of relationships. And, and now we're starting to see the brain science is starting to to show how important relationships are for the brain to feel joy for the brain to, you know, dump those positive chemicals into your body on a daily basis and, and how much the joy state or the relational state of the brain is kind of the opposite of the fight or flight state. And it really is grounded in, the, the relationships that you have and it goes all the way back to when you're when babies are born and 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 you can see, you see the evidence or you can search for attachment disorders and the babies that you know people adopt that never had an attachment to their mother they never had that face-to-face connection of a mother looking them in the eyes and and right. extending love and a smile to them right. and and really that goes into our adulthood and now through the last couple of years you know of isolation and separation we've seen how much that's impacted people's mental health and their business mental health. All of us need people that look us in the eyes and look at us across the room and smile. And their face says, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy that you're here. Whether that's walking into a networking event or walking into a client conversation mm-hmm. or, or just getting home at the end of the night, our bodies are hardwired to receive that messaging from somebody else's face that, mm-hmm. that they're happy to see us. And it's super, super powerful, and a lot of people are missing out on it. Okay, where where were you, where were you serving in your mission? Uh, so we lived in Bogota, Colombia. Okay, so you learned Spanish, right? I did. Yes, I spent a year oh, yeah. in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just learning Spanish. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, what was it like? What 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 years were you there? Uh, so we spent 1999 in in Costa Rica. We spent 
the the crossover into Y2K in the United States just in case, right. and then moved to Columbia in the very early part of two, the year 2000. What was that like, you know, when you were looking at uh, post-cocaine cowboy, you know? <laughs> well, and there were, there was still a lot. Um, obviously, the the biggest problem is this internal civil war. Right. Um, some people were, uh, go, they, they re- referred to it as a rebellion or, or whatever, but there were two factioning parties that right. made it impossible to drive between cities because they would kidnap people and, and ransom, you know, try to take right. money, you know, if you traveled. So we flew from city to city, which was pr- fairly economical, uh, uh-huh. rarely drove too far outside of Bogota, although Bogota is a huge city, city of, you know, 10 million people at the time. Right and on a huge plateau mm-hmm. and most people imagine most of Colombia is in the jungle but Bogota is on a plateau at 8,500 right. feet so it's a high right. altitude low temperature like it's not hot there at all right. in fact you know the average temperature is in the 60s uh-huh. year round and so a very different environment than most people imagine when they right. think of Colombia right um, but for us it was it, it's a beautiful place it has all the the same big city issues you know we had a car stolen we had stuff stolen out of our car i mean you know same big city issues you'd have in any city in the u.s you right. know especially now um our buildings had extra security and our our parking was was secured underground and mm-hmm. and, and so there were some extra security steps in places you know you couldn't go into a mall without them using a mirror to see underneath your car um, yeah. other facilities they would do that you know, because there's constantly bombs. looking for bombs yeah. and devices on cars okay. that would be used to destroy things um there were regular bombings you know not not never impacting us directly and so there was never this sense that we were a target if right. we were caught up or nearby something that that happened that was always a risk but but right. for the most part our family felt very safe and and knew that we were doing the work we were meant to be doing and there's mm-hmm. no better place to be than than where you belong. Did you make the decision to go or were you sent there? Uh, we made the decision to go decision. and we were given the opportunity. Uh, we looked at six different you know, countries in the world and mm-hmm. narrowed down a few because of qualification and job we'd have to be doing in those places. And then uh, actually had chosen a different place because we'd allowed others to to influence our decision. And so our elders and our family and everybody else, you know, said, well, Argentina and Colombia are very similar. You should apply to go to Argentina. And ultimately we did. And so um, we got accepted to go to Argentina. And then right before our, our, our internship, our, our first summer that we spent, they asked us, well, would you consider going to Colombia and Argentina? And of course, like who would, who would turn down an opportunity to get to visit two places. Right. right. Uh, but in the end, by the time our internship rolled around, Argentina was no longer available. And mm. so we only went to Colombia. <laughs> and so it, it turned out the place that I had chosen initially in my own heart, right. in mind and head, God brought us right back to it, even even after we'd allowed other people to move, you know. To, Interesting. To I had a similar situation. Protect, thereby and protect us. <laughs> right. I had a very similar situation that happened to me when... I applied for two things. I applied to work at the U S embassy in Moscow. This was back in the eighties. And I also kind of hedged my bets and applied to teach English in China. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was basically, I knew I wanted to go overseas. I had already spent two years in Finland. So I learned Finnish. It was one of the hot, one of the hardest languages in the world. Wow. I figured, I figured, well, I could handle You know, I could handle Russian. I could probably handle Mandarin. So, um, but I was really, 
I just said, you know what? I'm going to throw this out there and we'll see what the universe, I mean, I use the universe now, but what the Lord sure. said, what would, what would be, uh, you know, what happens. And it's funny because I, I waited and I waited and it seemed like I was not going to get either of them. And all of a sudden a year later, you know, it was the embassy and it was weird because I felt relief because I felt, you know what? I really wanted to go to Russia. You know, that was what I really wanted, but I was open to something else, whatever fate or destiny, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. So I understand what you feel about that because I am so glad I didn't go to freaking China. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I look at my life now. I mean, I, I spent most, I've, I've spent most of the last, let's see, uh, 23 years over either living there or going back and forth. You know, wow. a wife, two kids, a grandson, you know, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, it's, it's funny how that happens. You know, if you, um, if you get out of the way sometimes and let, let, let uh, someone else drive the bus in a little bit, you know, then, then you tend to end up going where you probably wanted to go or where it was, you were meant to go. You know, so I, I, that really resonated with me when you were talking about that because I had a very similar experience. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated because, you know, I, I also did a church mission. Um, I spent two years in Finland. So, you know, I had no idea where I was going. They just sent me there, you know, and it was great. It was a great experience. And the reason why I asked you the question is if your mission experience help you in your, you know, in your entrepreneurial um, endeavors afterwards, because I found in my experience that when I got back, I no longer was afraid of people saying no, you know, which well, I, I think was interesting. Yeah. I think that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've said all along for, for many years that one of the advantages that, that those that are in the LDS church have is, is that two year mission where they're going door to door. And, yeah. and, and if you look at many of the, the businesses and, and there's many, many multimillion dollar businesses that have been started by members of of the LDS church and I think there's an extra level of support but I think that that door-to-door has has a huge impact on their ability unbelievably unbelievably it was the best thing ever happened to me not even talking about the spiritual part of it just talking hardcore about being an entrepreneur the fact that you know when you I mean 30 below cold you know, and you're out there trudging along, you know, trying to do what you think you should do, what's right to do and so forth. And every single day, I remember one, in, in the winter of 2000, or sorry, 19, 1986, I counted six weeks, total no's. We couldn't even get in a freaking door. You know, that's how bad it was. And so, and of course, if we couldn't get in the apartment, we couldn't even get in the apartment building. You know, and we're out there shivering, right? And this big old fur hat, you know, and everything. And uh, but you know, it was funny because fast forward to when I started doing my real estate investing career, and I went, I you know, it was a we had a very bad, we had a very bad economic system or situation with the family. I had to leave my family in Russia to come back here to uh, into Orlando because. The, you know, the opportunities I had in Russia in the 90s, when Putin came along, they were pretty much all gone because he was getting all the foreigners out and he, you know, it was all for Russians. So, well, everything, I mean, obviously, when the wall came down in the early 90s, a lot changed for, 
for Russia. Yeah, I like, mean, I it was great for me. I loved it. But um, <laughs> my point is, is that there was no longer a viable way to support my family in Russia. So I had to leave. And so mm-hmm. I said, look, you, you stay here with your parents. You know, we had, we had two kids and everything. And I said, let me, I'm going to, I will never work for anybody else again. And I'm going to go back to America, to Orlando. And I'm just going to start, I'm going to try, I'm gonna, it's real estate investing or bust, you know. And wasn't it ironic that what did I end up doing first? You want to take a guess? Going door to door. Knocking on doors. Yeah. I went to, you know, I, I got, I downloaded foreclosures of every, like four counties and I said, I will knock on every single door in those four counties every week. And I tell you, it was, it was almost like two years in Finland had completely prepped me for this because I had no fear. I was confident, you know, and I, I would bring some people on sometimes who would just kind of say, can I go with you and see what you do? And they were like, hesitant, hello, you know, I, I guess you're in foreclosure, uh, you know, and I'm just like, hey. You know, I'm a real estate investor. I'm here because I saw your mortgage company just filed a foreclosure against your property. I'd like for you to give me your house if you're looking to just walk away from it. And they started giving me their houses. Right. Isn't that crazy? And people said, how in the world can you do that? And I said, well, you know what? And I, and I don't want to sound sacrilegious here. Okay. So please forgive me. But I just said this kind of in a sarcastic way. I said, "Well, you know what? When you're you've been, when you've sold God for two years, <laughs> you know, asking a foreclosure person because most of the time in Finland anyway, they didn't care, right? So you got used to the nose all the time, right? And so it was actually easier for me to talk to people in foreclosure than it was about the gospel. So when recognizing that you're providing a solution to a problem that they're yeah, in course. right now." And the right, problem exactly. is the pain is real. The problem is real. And, and you're providing a solution exactly. to uh, help them avoid some unknown. Thing yes. that, that Better than work with me. Who's an honest person. that's going to give them a fair deal. than you know, some shy is going to come along and just completely screw them over. So, um, but anyway, I, we're getting off on a tangent here. I apologize for that, but uh, <laughs> it just came up and I thought to myself, you know, that was an example that I always use when someone says, what, how did, how did, how did, how were you prepared for your eventual entrepreneurial uh, endeavors? And that was a big deal about not, not being afraid of no's. But I, I will tell you this. Um, one thing that really helped me as well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to what you said about relationships. Because, you know, in an LDS mission, you're thrown with some guy for like two, three, four months at a time. And he may be a goober, but you got to find a way <laughs> You know, maybe he thought I was a goober. Who knows? But uh, you have to find a way to build rapport and work with people that maybe you would not normally socialize with. But you're, and, and then you start to see he's not that bad of a guy. You know what? He does this really well. He's not that bad. Because listen, when you start working with employees and and you're mentoring people, you know that stuff is that I just find it fascinating. That you know, when I talk to people, and it's not just with me. I mean, I've spoken with a lot of people who 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 got an entrepreneurship that these things that happen that we don't either pay attention to when we're younger or we don't appreciate, or maybe we resented that we had to go through them are often mm-hmm. the most important things that we, that we, what if we had, we, if we hadn't gone through them, we might not have succeeded. Seriously. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, that's that's the, that's the fascinating part. One of the fascinating parts about this is what inspired me to do the podcast uh, is was talk about these things. So let me get off of me and get back on you. Uh, so apologies for that that tangent, but uh, no worries. So um, I can tell you that from my experience, I've had in twenty years of being a real estate investor, I've had two times where I almost lost my business, and the one was when. Right before the, the Great Recession hit, when the Florida market just stalled, and I didn't have a closing for 18 months. That's how bad Ooh. it was. It was tough. That 2008? No, it was actually six. Oh, we, so just we got hit hurt. We get hit in Florida first. And right. then, you know, because by the time 2008 came around, I was rolling again. So, um, but anyway, and COVID, because COVID, closed down the foreclosure courts. And so right. I lost my my one tried and true way of uh -oh. getting clients into my business, right? So I will tell you that for some reason, I don't know, maybe because I'm older now, maybe I was younger and just had, I was just had more energy, but it was tough emotionally speaking because I was by myself. I was marooned in the States and my family was in Russia. I didn't see him for 18 months, you know? Right. I mean, when you're coaching people, you're coaching entrepreneurs and so forth. Have you found that that there was uh, a COVID uh, effect like that with people? The isolation, the uncertainty, the fear. I mean, how? Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, how? Can you give me give me some uh, of you know just your experience about working with people like that post COVID and during COVID? Yeah, I mean, I obviously one of the biggest challenges is. Right. Our, our brains either in this joy and relational state or it's in mm -hmm. a fear state. Right. And it's in it's fighting fight or flight and mm -hmm. fight or flight can be caused by stress and anxiety, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you're thinking about all the things that you can't control or you're right. you're thinking about, you know, your fear is driving this this thought pattern. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of fear based things happen in covid. Now they're happening because of this economy. Um, mortgage brokers and and some of these realtors right now that are that are impacted by the rates and by the, yep. the market tightening up mm -hmm. and they're focusing on the things that they can't control which is driving more you know fear thinking right and mm -hmm. and especially if they're alone right if they've lost a relationship or, or had a broken marriage mm -hmm. i mean that just those are just multipliers and and so helping a person come back to truth and and see truth right mm -hmm. isolate the fear and and focus on the things that you can control mm -hmm. like yourself when you first got back right i know how to knock on doors i can do that boom i can yeah. knock on doors and of course in covid you couldn't right <laughs> nobody wanted to answer their door in right. covid so now you got to figure out what is what is something else i can control Get a megaphone hey I can do? <laughs> <laughs> that's right stand on the sidewalk yeah and and I, and I think it's it's just too easy in, in our culture through social media, through news, through all of these things to get caught up in the fear and allow the fear to just take over, right? And that's what drives this lack of hope. It's what mm -hmm. drives people to commit suicide. It's what, it's what drives people to give up on their business rather than sitting down and saying, all right, these are the facts. Let's look at the truth and let's look at the things I can control. Let's mm -hmm. look at what I need to have in my business and what, what do I need to make happen next? And, and what is a creative way that I can make that happen? Well, if you're in fear and you're in fight and flight, your brain's not going to help you. Your brain is too busy thinking about how do we run away from this? How do we get away? But if you can switch your brain out of fight and flight and you can focus on, on truth, 
even for 10 minutes, even for 15 minutes mm-hmm. and allow truth to, to be the guide, right? On the things you can control. Well, then your brain can say it, it actually can come up with real solutions to these real problems. The problem is so much of the fear-based stuff is focused on not real problems, right? They're, they're real on the global scale or they're real on the state scale and they feel very real. But, but the truth is they're not anything you can't, you can't control whether they're going to let you back into Russia. You can't control whether or not they're going to, you know, let you go and do, you know, close, you know, foreclosures. You don't know when they're going to open that back up. Right. And so you've got to focus on, all right, this is what I need in my business. These are the things I can control. These right. are the things that I can do. You know, when can I start going door to door again? When can I start, you know, doing doing the things I know will help me find the next client? Will help or me find the next. Have, or you have to pivot and not do that anymore because I'm I, exactly my real, estate, my real estate business has still not come back. You know, so it's I, tough. This listen, is it's I a tough you, market to come back in right now. Listen, I tell you, I mean, I when when the war when the war was declared when the, the, the Russians invaded, I had I was just over there. I left like four days before they invaded and, you know, my wife was saying, oh, it's not going to happen. I said, are you sure? I think they are. No, it's not. But when it, I was home and when they invaded, I sank into such a deep depression and it took me about three weeks to get out of it because I knew wow. it was like, okay, again, we're going to be separated, you know, and I knew that this was not going to be good for the business and so forth. And so after I was able to finally get out of bed and say, okay, what can I control? What can I do? And for me, it was the fact that I said, I can't, okay, if I can't do what I've done for 20 years, what other asset, what other thing am I good at that I can monetize? And for mm, me, it, nice. was tax, it was this tax strategy that I've been using in my business, you know, where, and, and it's not, it's not hyperbole. It's not, I'm not uh, exaggerating. Literally, I teach businesses, anybody who's an entrepreneur, who's not a W-2, I teach them how they can use a trust to legally um, reduced their taxes by as much as 97%. And so I said to myself, surely that could be monetizable. And, you know, and I, and I'm telling you, I was so, I was so nuts about everything, the war. I mean, I was, I was glued to Twitter, you know, and what's going on, who are the Ukrainians holding on, you know, my wife and I were fighting about it because she's on the Russian side. Just, I just, what I finally did was I, I told her, I said, honey, I'm not going to talk to you for a month because <laughs> I got to, I can't have this anymore. And I put down Twitter. Wow. Put down all that stuff. And I said, what can I do today to do something? And that's the way it's been ever since was what can I do today and just do that? That's a great question. I mean, that really is a great question to ask yourself when you're in yes. the midst of something crazy. What yes. can I do today? Because that curiosity will open up something in your mind. Mm-hmm. The brain loves to answer questions. It loves to figure things out. And so many times we ask it the wrong questions. But when you can ask it a question that actually leads to mm-hmm. what can I do today? And then let's just do that. And then every day that you do that, man, that's so powerful to yeah. to just, I mean, each one of those is a little stepping stone towards, woo, man, I get, I get a client. Ooh, I get a paycheck. Ooh, I get... Right. That that starts to feel right. better and you get confirmation that mm-hmm. all right, now we're doing the right thing. And the brain starts to say, All right, we're rewarding, we're 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 celebrating the right thing. And and it it just multiplies. I tell you, and there's so much I I, I forget where we, 
who said this, but it was on TV somewhere, or maybe it was a movie, but someone said everything ends badly, otherwise it would never end. Ah, you know? And and there's some truth to that. And you know what? I don't think I would have voluntarily ever walked away from my real estate investing business, mm. which I loved, which was my baby, was my first big success. And yet, honestly, if I look back now at my life and where it was, you know, almost a year ago, you know, not quite a year ago, I am so glad that I'm mm. no longer in real estate because this is so much more fun. I get nice. so much more fulfillment and enjoyment. And be honest with you, I'm making just as good of money as I used to. In fact, I'm, I'll probably be making more. Nice. But I don't have to deal with the stress of people in foreclosure, banks, negotiating, people angry because contracts fall, fall, you know, don't go through like this is happens. It's real estate. You know, this is so much. And I'm telling you, I'm happier. You know, I was talking to my mother-in-law this morning, actually over in Russia. And she says, you know, I haven't heard you this happy in years. Nice. But I am. And so, we, you know, we can look back at the, you can look at the past with blinders on. I mean, you've got 2020 vision looking back. Right. You're blind as a bat looking forward. Right. Well, and the problem is normally we're looking back at all the crap. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. not celebrating. We're not looking back and going, Oh, that was good. Oh, that was yes. good. Ooh, that was yes. good. We're looking back going, Oh, that sucked. Oh, that sucked. Right. And, and we just have this natural tendency to look at what sucked. And so one of my favorite lines is, well, that sucked. Now what? Right. right? And turn it around. Right. It's OK to acknowledge that it sucked because it sucked. It was. It was bad. I'm not going to play positivity. Woohoo! No, it sucked. But now what? Well, did it help and, you get to where get you're going? Up. I mean, that's the thing, though, because right now, if I look at everything that sucked, it was like jumping from a puddle, you know. You know, if you're 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 on a you're on in a river or something, you can jumping from rock to rock or whatever, and it, you maybe you fall down and hit your knee or whatever. They're all painful, but when you look back, I can I can see a path that got me to where I am now. And if I had not gone through the suck, I would not be here where it's fun. Right. You know. And Absolutely. Listen. 35 years, 30 years at least of being an entrepreneur. And it took me until I was 58 to get that. You know, isn't that crazy? It, it is. But there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are in the same place. Yeah. They, they're, they're stuck because they feel stuck. There's a lot of people in jobs that are stuck because they feel stuck. Right. And, and, and it's become a job. It's, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki says, they own their job. And, yeah. and it sucks. And they got a terrible boss. And right. so... Our our goal is to help them get that out of that suck and 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 hopefully if there's folks listening that are in the same place you were that they're open to, man, I want to change. Well, trust me, you can and we can help you. I will tell you this for those of you people that are this is resonating with you. I wish I had a resource like you when I was really going through it, and I didn't, and it was tough, and it probably lasted a lot longer than it needed to have. You know, well, I'm glad you made it through, though. Yeah. Thank God. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, seriously. absolutely. So I think that that's and that's what I hope that you guys out there can learn and, and, and take advantage of this, because this is the goods. And I tell you, as someone who went through it, what you know, what Robert's talking about is absolutely true. I mean, what can you do? What can you do now? What can you do now? What can you do now? And focus on just if you just did that, my gosh, it's a huge leap forward. 
you know? It's too easy. It's too easy to focus on all the shit you can't do. And that's well, what, I don't know, our brain just does, right? People wake up and go, well, that won't work. Well, I can't do that. Well, no, find the damn one thing you can do and let's freaking do it and do it over and over and over again until you get some results. I, I, one thing that really helped me was getting off of social media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stop watching the news. That's another. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the whole. That's how. I, that's how I consume my news. I don't watch. I didn't watch the, you know, TV. But um, it, it just it, right now I post because it's part of my marketing, and then I get off. You know, I do. because there's just so much negativity. Fact, I don't even post. I create posts, and somebody else posts, so I don't have to. No, that's probably the next step for me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Have a have a team that has to do that for you, and then and then you don't even have to open the silly thing up. Yeah, that's true. That's a good idea. Well, listen, um, I see on your background is it is it add value to life.com, right? That's how people should reach out to you. Yep, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn too. You can find me, Robert C. Peterson, add value to life. Yep. Awesome. That's great. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh I feel better. Well, Don, I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> So I feel much better already just talking to you. So um, that's great. Awesome. So listen, guys, definitely reach out to uh, to Robert. And I want to thank him again for coming on. And, uh, you know, let's just keep putting one step, you know, one foot forward and just focus on today and we'll make progress. Thanks, guys.